This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. You guys don't know this, but this is take two of this episode because I got completely lost in my notes on the first one. So we're going to run this back again. No worries. It's still going to be the same great content. But today we're going to be going through the entire the entire way and process of how we deliver individualized training programs here at our gym, how we do it with our online clients, how we do it with our in-person clients. This is a process that is one that we repeat every single month, every single day, every single, every single week, every client that we see. And uh, it ultimately allows us to produce results time and time again, no matter what, just based off of these exact processes. So um, again, this is going to be the exact walkthrough of that. So if you're a coach listening to this, I hope you're able to take these processes and implement them in your own training design for clients. And if you are a client and you, you, know, you have a coach that is part of the Virtuous team or you, know, you have a coach outside of here, ultimately you want to see these types of things reflected in your programming. And if you're a part of our gym and our training, uh, in our training business, then you will know that this is the exact same things that you saw in your, in your process as well, getting your own uh, training program. So, um, but as always, before we jump to the show, first and foremost, you need to go ahead and hit that pause button and you need to head over to iTunes and give the show a five star rating and review. Um, we ultimately, we want to make sure that we're able to get the show into the ears and the hands of as many people as possible so that they can grow and they can learn inside of their training as well. And the other thing that we want to do is go ahead and take a screenshot with your phone post it on your Instagram story and then tag me in it. I am at coach Cody Smith on Instagram. And then uh, of course I'll make sure to go ahead and share that on my story and give you some love and make sure that we connect. Um, and, and I always like to tell people, thank you for sharing and getting the show into the hands of more people. Um, so um, again, that five-star rating review and then posting it on your story is ultimately how you can help me to, to grow this show and to make it even better for the end user and for the person listening to that. Um, and that's really about it, guys. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the content for the show today. So again, this is going to be the exact walkthrough of uh, how we deliver program design to um, individual clients here. So really, there's a couple different ways to, to play with you know, virtuous fitness. Number one, we offer in-group, in-group training or in-person group training or team training. Um, we offer individually designed programs for people, and then we also offer personal training. And then we have a huge leg where we do a great deal of remote or uh, online coaching with people. And uh, these processes are something that we use inside of all these things. And ultimately, it's to deliver that result for the, for the person or, um, you know, client that does interact with us. <clears throat> because it's important that we're not, you know, we're not in the business of just giving people work, workouts. We want to make sure that we deliver results to people. And the only way we can do that is through, you know, tried and true processes. And, you know, what's different about working with a, you know, a business like Virtuous Fitness is we, whether you, you know, you do, uh, you know, reach out to us and they're looking for online coaching is that we do this every single day with people. Uh, and a lot of times I think I've, I've always had an issue with people that do online coaching that don't coach in person or didn't spend a great deal of time coaching in person because really they don't have that hands-on experience to know like what's actually happening day to day with the things that they're putting to paper or the, the things that they're asking people to do. And it's really hard to do that if you've never experienced it in person. So um, what's great about, you know, when you join uh, like an online training program with, you know, whether it's us or any other business like us that offers that remote style coaching is that you know that the things that they're asking you to do actually happen day to day in person with clients that they see. So it kind of gives a little bit more uh, integrity and a little bit more proof to the results that they're able to offer people. So 
Um, again, this is the exact walkthrough, you guys. So if you're a coach listening to this, pull out some paper. You can literally steal this process and you can implement it right away. And just you'll be amazed at how simplistic it can be to really help deliver results to your clients. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into it. So the first piece of the puzzle with how we deliver program design to people is going to be the intake process. So the intake process is really two parts, right? You've got the assessment process, and then you've got really the, the, the discovery of, you know, what they have going on currently. The thing about the intake process is this is a step that a lot of people skip and where a lot of, in the past, gyms got, got these things wrong. Because really what you need to discover during the intake process is you need to find out what your client wants, why do they want it, and then where are they currently. Right, because what we're trying to do is lay the baseline and ultimately figure out, like, think of it like a GPS. This is the best way that I explain it all the time to people. Is that the intake process for is discovering just like a GPS, where are you on the map? Right, like where are you currently located? Right, so once we know where you are, and then you tell us where you want to be, now we have point A, and then where you want to be is point B, right? And then we've discovered this thing called the gap. So the gap is the, the distance between where you are now and where you want to be. Now, ultimately, it is your coach's job and the client's job to give all the inputs to close that gap between point A and to point B, right? But a lot of people skip the step of finding out where are they currently, right? We always just say, like, we want to lose X amount of weight. We want to perform X amount of pull-ups. We want to PR on our bench press or, or get better at back squatting. But we completely skip, like, what is your bench press now? oh, cool, you want to bench press 325, but you're only bench pressing 135 currently. Is that time domain that you want to achieve that thing in, is that something that is possible? Is that on the realm of possibility? Uh, and ultimately, unless we figure out where you are now, it's hard to really do that. So the big thing with the intake form that we send out is we are trying to ask questions around what they current or where are they currently, what they want, and why they want it. Because there has to be a strong enough reason why they want something or you're going to find that, it, you know, if you're a client listening to this, you're going to find that it's very easy to kind of fall off. And if you're not clear on why you want it, it's, it's a lot easier or a lot harder for the coach to get you kind of dialed into sticking to that thing. So ultimately, with your intake form, you're trying to discover what you want or what they want, why they want it, and then where are they now? And ask a lot of questions around that. <clears throat> also, other things that you want to kind of figure out during that intake form is you want to ask a lot of nutrition questions, right? Ask about past diet history, um, past injuries, past mindset issues. And ultimately, when you're asking questions around that, um, you're trying to figure out what I like to call the big rocks. So the big rocks, after we've you know, discovered what you want, why you want it, and where are you now, those big rocks feed into what are, you know, what are the red flag items that need to be addressed first. Right. And an example of that is like, let's say that you're, you, you do an intake form and they share on their form that they have a prior knee injury, but yet, you know, you want to program a back squat for them. So how could you serve that person on a better level and make it more personal to them for their injury if you didn't know they had their injury in the first place? Right. So that would be an injury. That would be something that I would focus on first. Right. You know, if they have knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain. I would start to address those things first, especially when it comes to nutrition, right? If there are past, um, you know, 
nutritional issues to where they had a bad relationship with food. Well, that's something you can work on. Maybe they had a past eating disorder and you can choose maybe to refer that out. Or if you have experience with that, you can continue to work with them as well. But ultimately, you want to start to identify these things, start to figure out what sort of mindset blocks they have. Why have they failed in the past? These are the types of things that you want to discover first. Now, once I've figured out what they want, why they want it, and where they are now, and I've identified a few big rocks, a simple practice is to pick two to three things based off of their goals, right? Maybe they want to, you know, let's say the person comes to you, they want to compete in their first powerlifting meet, and they've got knee and back pain. Well, you're going to need to fix those, move, those pain issues first while still allowing them to lift and get stronger. So maybe that's the first rock that you decide on. Maybe nutritionally they are... They're, they have past issues with under eating. Well, that would be the second issue because ultimately any inputs you do outside of that are going to not do anything even close to serving them with what they want to have, right? So um, that would be where I would start. Figure out all the issues that they have during their intake form. Pick two to three big rock items and then um, start to build your, your ideas on how you're going to approach them based off of that. Now, the next thing that I would like to take people through would be uh, a client assessment. So for online clients, I have this built out to where people can do this assessment um, through video. And I've got tons of great tutorials that we share inside of our training programs here that allows us to assess a person from uh, a remote standpoint. But we also like to do this in person with people hands on. So we use a variation of the, you know, the functional movement screen, um, and ultimately it allows us to identify any sort of issues that they have and really paint a picture into any sort of imbalances or movement issues they have. So I want to share um, what the, the exact movement screen is that we use and just kind of walk you through some of the prior or some of the, um, the talking points that we use inside of that. So the first thing we start off with is going to be an air squat. With the air squat, we just want to see the hands overhead. And as they go down, right, like reaching over their head, ideally we want to see the hip crease go below the top of the knee. We know that if you've been coaching for any period of time, that's not going to be the case for some people. But ultimately, if they go hands and if they go arms overhead, like a V position of their head, and it's kind of really, it's, it's hard to explain this, but if they go down with a, their hands overhead like a V position and they're able to keep their arms and shins in the same angle, then, and again, all these things are going to be pass fail, then the air squat's going to be good to go and we're cool with that. Um, and that'll identify any sort of hip issues, mobility issues that they may have inside of their hips and ankles, and maybe even a little bit of their T-spine mobility as well. Uh, the next thing we do is going to be a hurdle step. Um, with the hurdle step, we'll set up an object that they'll just step over. And ultimately, we want to be able to see the thigh can go at least 90 degrees um, with both legs, standing completely upright without any sort of movement in their spine. And we'll have them do like six reps on both sides. The next thing we take them through is going to be through an inline lunge. The inline lunge, just think of it if you had them lunging like on a, on a balance beam, right? We're looking for the lunge to be in line um, as far as the heel, knee, and back foot should be all in a straight line. They should be able to have a PVC bite uh, behind their backs. And, and the way that we do that is that um, we will have them reach back with the PVC pipe in one hand and then reach behind their back with the other hand and run it right through the middle of their spine. Um, and that will allow them to do that inline lunge. Now, the next thing we'll do is a scratch test that's going to identify shoulder mobility. And um, that's kind of hard to paint verbally, so just go ahead and type that into YouTube. You can always see those videos and what they look like there. But the scratch test is the next place we'll go. Um, from there, we move into an active straight leg raise. An active straight leg raise is laying on your back, both knees extended, and trying to lift one leg up to at least 90 degrees. And again, these are all pass-fails. Can they or can't they? <clears throat> 
This helps to identify a bunch of different things in the hamstring mobility. And uh, really, uh, obviously, that'll show up in any sort of hinging exercises or any, and a lot of uh, squatting exercises that you may see as well. From there, we'll start to identify core strength. I want to see nice, controlled um, rotational stability through uh, bird dogs. I'll have them do 12 reps. And then uh, in, a, in a perfect world, we want to be able to see a 90-second forearm plank. Now, once you identify any sort of issues throughout that assessment, now you can start to move into the design process. So as I go through this design process, um, these are, we, we always want to put our clients into particular archetypes, right? So what I mean by that is, you know, how new to training. And again, these are things that you should have identified through the intake process. Now, as we have make, put them into these different archetypes, we want to find out, are they beginner, intermediate, or they advance. So I've got some guidelines in here. And again, these are just guidelines. They're not, you know, the, the only way that you should do things. It's just a way that I would like for you to, to view training and to really look at it. And then you can, you know, begin the, the design process from there. So most people are going to fall somewhere in between these three different things. So some people are beginners. Um, know that with whether it's beginner, intermediate, or advanced, each one of these people are going to have different training requirements and will respond differently. But again, use this. It's just a, it's a, it's a broad stroke, and it allows us to really start to classify what's the best starting point for program design for client. So uh, generally speaking, beginners, we're talking zero to two years of consistent training. So that's something I make sure that I hammer home, consistent training. A lot of people have done a little bit of training here and there, but it's not exactly consistent. So we want to see consistent training for zero to two years to be classified as a beginner. Now you've got some genetic freaks that are probably going to fall um, and, you know, in two years be doing amazing stuff and can handle more. But this is just, you know, really generally speaking. So beginning client, we're talking zero to two years of consistent training. In most cases, they're going to do really well with a full body split, meaning all the movement patterns are going to be included, push, pull, hip, knee, core, and they probably will do really well with two to three days of training per week. We want to make sure that they spend a good deal of time developing muscular control and motor control. Um, so in that case, it's going to be a lot of strength first before they do any sort of intense um, or dynamic movements, any sort of like uh, high intensity training or anything like that. They've got to make sure that we have built strength first. And then I'm a big fan of making sure that if they are doing conditioning based off of their goal, that the conditioning is going to be 100% aerobic based. And for me, that might be, maybe I use some um, mixed modalities in, inside of that, like maybe some calisthenics with a little bit of running or a little bit of rowing or biking or something like that. But ultimately, their conditioning work should be based around the aerobic system. Um, I like to teach pacing inside of that too. So learning how to, especially from, you know, the type of conditioning that we deliver at Virtuous Fitness, we want to make sure that we're teaching them how to sustain different aerobic paces based off of the time limits that are in front of them. Um, and then ultimately, we want them to learn how we train and how we program and why it's important that we deliver program design like that. So that's the beginning level and some of the characteristics that we look for. Now, for the intermediate archetype, in most cases, we're talking two to four years of consistent training. The types of training splits that do really well for them might be upper-lower uh, or an upper-lower split three to four times a week. So that if it was an upper-lower, it would go, you know, day one upper, day two lower, day three upper, day four lower. And we bias that for conditioning and for the strength training inside of their program. And then in some cases, they can do full body each one of those days as long as volume is equated and we're not just hammering them every single day. Um, and they can train usually three to four, day, three to four times a week, and that's going to be perfect. As an intermediate person, 
they should be still biasing strength first and not really doing a whole ton of intensity work. Um, but however, we can start to implement it if they're on the backside of consistent training uh, years and um, they have the prerequisite strength. And an example of why I'm such a big fan of developing strength first is, you know, let's take a client who's brand new to training and I say, hey, you're going to get on a flywheel bike of some sort and you're going to rip on that thing for 20 seconds as fast as you can. That person who is brand new to training has not yet built the strength enough to really put out on that bike and to really challenge their system and their, their different energy systems. Whereas we take an advanced person who's been doing a lot of strength training for a lot of years, maybe four, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe four years, and then we put them on that assault bike for 20 seconds, they're going to be laying on the ground after they're done. And ultimately, that's because they took the time to build the strength first and are really able to, di to dig into their, you know, their lactic and their alactic energy systems and really put out in those different situations. So um, strength first, and then you can start to implement a little bit more intense work. Make sure that when um, you are programming and, and maybe they're starting to implement that intense work that you keep both the aerobic and anaerobic work blended across their training weekly and um, giving them a good look at uh, all their things. And again, this is all based on whatever their particular goal is. In most cases, depending on their goal, they, they probably don't even need any really high intense work unless they just enjoy it. And in that case, just make sure it makes sense inside of your program design. Now, for the advanced archetype, <clears throat> we're talking four plus years of consistent training. In most cases, an upper lower split would be perfect if they're gonna be training. Um, and again, for this archetype, we're talking three to six days of training weekly. <clears throat> if they are training six days per week, that would be, you know, workout. Uh, you know, day one is an upper, day two is lower, day three is upper, day four is lower, and it just kind of goes like that throughout the, the six days. You could also take that with five days. What I've really done in the past is if a person is, you know, I find out through their assessment that they're weak through a lot of different muscular groups in their lower body, if they're doing a five-day training split, I might start them with a lower day because that means they'll get lower on one day, lower on day three, lower on day five. They get more frequency of training on their lower body musculature, and you can do the same thing for the upper body. Um, so that's something that I love to do. Um, in some cases, you can go full body, but just know that a more advanced person is really going to be able to dig into their nervous system, right? If you put a set of heavy squats up there. They're going to be really working hard and really fatiguing their nervous system, trying to, you know, achieve that output um, for their training that day. So if you're going to go with a full body training program, it can work. Just make sure that you are paying attention to the types of things that you put inside of that training for the day um, so that those things don't really fight with each other. Um, in some cases too, if they're very advanced, you might just do a single pattern workout day. So that might be like a whole day of pushing, uh, another day of pulling, another day of hip hinging. And again, you can, um, you would use that for their conditioning if you're going to do any mixed work with them as well. But again, um, what is your client's goal? You know, where are they at in the spectrum? What are their lifestyle setups, right? If they're working five, six days a week for 12 hours a day, they probably don't, even if they've been doing consistent training, they probably won't be served very well by trying to train five days. Will they do better with three days and maybe four days? Um, how can you put these things into work the best, okay? Now, 
for the advanced person, you can start to do more dynamic work. So that might be things like Olympic lifting. That might be more plyometrics, more speed work, still working strength, still biasing aerobic work. Um, but the anaerobic and the aerobic work and all these things can be blended up very well across the training program as long as you're taking your volumes into account, as long as you're taking this particular uh, intensities into account, and we're not just bypassing those things from day to day. Um, we have to make sure that we pay attention to those things. <clears throat> now, we've discovered, you know, we've put them essentially, we've done our intake form, we've done our assessment, we've now labeled them as what particular archetype we are going to be programming to. Um, we started to, to really give some thought on, um, you know, what will best serve them. And now we'll start to pick to put together their optimal training day and splits, right? So based off of their intake, based off of their assessments, what patterns are their focus uh, or what patterns are you going to focus on and why right um, what imbalances in corrective work um, can you add in i'm a big fan of putting corrective work inside of warm-ups i think that when the person is fresh and they're not fatigued from their training for the day it's a great opportunity for you to work on extra mobility work for you to maybe develop a little more uh, quad development through things like wall sits and things like that. Maybe they have weak glutes or weak core. It's just an opportunity for you to give them more training in their warm-up when they're fresh and they're likely going to give it the best, um, you know, technical execution because they're not fatigued yet. So again, what are the patterns that you're going to focus on? And again, push-pull hip-knee core is some of my favorites. You can throw in things like carry, single leg, and single arm if you would like inside of those patterns. But um, what are the patterns that are the, most, the best focus for them, for their goals? And then can you work any of the imbalances that you discovered in their assessment? Um, can you work their imbalance or corrective work into their warm-ups possibly? That is the question that I always like to kind of think about and throw at my team uh, when they're designing programs for their clients. <clears throat> So you figured out their optimal training day and split. Now we start developing, or now we want to start talking about how are we going to periodize their plan, right? Again, based off of their goal, what is the best periodized approach for them, okay? Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, in most cases, people are going to do really well with like a three to six linear progression. Um, and, and again, like I, I hate to really, to really throw out, a t and I know some coaches might disagree with me, but. Uh, I'm here to tell you, I've been doing this for 10 years, and in most cases, just taking somebody through a higher volume, lower load to lower volume, higher load situation, it just works really well for the biggest, for the, you know, the, the most amount of people that you're going to come to you. Um, now, and again, like, that's just kind of a broad stroke, but that's typically the place that I'll start with most people, and it kind of lets me how their body responds. Um, and, and all we're really talking there is, you know, going through, um, you know, they're going to be doing an accumulation phase, right? Or an accumulation into an intensification phase. Another way that people like to look at this, um, and it's one that I've actually started to kind of wonder if I'm going to roll into conceptually as well, is that, you know, if you're going to do a four-week linear training block, um, ultimately the, the process is going to be an intro week where they're getting kind of used to things. Then they'll have a base week where you've maybe creased, created uh, a little bit more volume accumulation inside of there. Then they'll have an overload week in week three, which is where their, their volume is the highest. And then their shock week, which is the week that they're trying to PR and really get after it. And again, if you're doing a linear model, we're talking, you know, lower, or I'm sorry, um, higher reps, lower load, and then progressing that as you go to where it's higher load, lower reps. Now, um, you can also do things like weekly undulation. An example of that would be, you know, let's say Mondays, uh, 
Monday inside of this undulation phase. Maybe week one of this, you know, program cycle is going to be a strength week and you might be doing, you know, sets of three on the strict press. And then week two might be more of a power week when you might do instead of that strict press, the upper body push might be something like a push jerk EMOM for, you know, every two minutes doing three reps. And you see how one day they were working on pure strength and the next day they're working on speed and power. And again, making sure that it is the best fit for the client. But that's an example of weekly undulation periodization to where one week you have one focus, the next week you have another focus, but it all fits into the bigger, broader spectrum of what that design ultimately is heading towards. Um, that's one that I like to use a lot too. Um, another one might be daily undulation. So daily undulation periodization might be, you know, Monday you do five reps on the main focus exercise. Wednesday, you do 15 reps on the main focus exercises, and Friday, you do 10 reps on the main focus exercises. It just allows them to adapt. One day, they're working strength. One day, they're working and accumulating volume. The next day, they're working on um, you know, hypertrophy and strength as well. But again, it allows you to cover a giant spectrum. But ultimately, I like to make sure that I've decided on how I'm going to periodize slash organize their training before I ever start putting in exercises. Am I going to go four weeks? Am I going to do an eight-week plan? Am I going to do a 12-week plan? Am I going to do 16? Which, you know, out of those different weeks, what is going to be the focus across those different blocks? And why? Does it support the client's goals? Um, so ultimately, I like to land on a periodization plan first, and I want to have an understanding as to why I'm doing that so that I can ultimately get, to, get them to their goal as quickly as possible and sustainable as possible on top of that. So I've discovered their training split. I've decided on a plan or a periodized approach to how I'm going to deliver their training. Now I start looking at the daily execution of the, uh, the programming framework. So my basic train, training framework is pretty simple, and it really rolls along the lines of uh, Mike Robertson's R7 program. Um, but ultimately, there's going to be some sort of warm-up in the beginning. In the beginning, I might throw in things that are going to work on their mobility. Some people argue and say that you shouldn't do mobility in the beginning. I'm here to tell you that it works really, really well with a lot of clients. And in some cases, sure, um, the, the mobility doesn't stick, but as long as you're doing a good blend of mobility and stability work, it in fact can make change and it doesn't take from performance from what I've seen anecdotally um, working with clients. So I have them do warm up and mobility first, then we'll move into their activation. So their activation is going to be based off of what is the training for the day? Is it, is it an upper body focused day? Are they going to be vertically pressing overhead? If so, I need to make sure that their scapula is moving fluidly. I need to make sure that their lats are warmed up. I need to make sure that, wrist, that their wrists and, and elbows are nice and warm and getting through full range of motion. Um, I put the activation work in there to allow them to activate and turn on the muscles that they're going to use for the day. So from there, from the activation phase, we roll into the priming phase. So I think of priming as, and here's an example. Let's say I've got sets of five on the floor press today, and they're going to work up to about a nine RPE or about a 90% um, effort as far as perceived effort is concerned. So if they're going to work up to about that amount of weight, then I need to do something that excites their nervous system and wakes them up. Maybe I'll have them do you know, something like a plyometric push-up, or I'll have them do a dynamic push-up where they're doing a push-up and landing on top of a plate with their hand position changing. Maybe I'll have them do a ground-facing chest uh, med ball pass to the floor, being explosive, being fast, priming their nervous system for the day. Um, 
and making sure that they're 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 awake and their their muscles and their brain are ready to fire, ready to contract nice and hard for their training for the day. Um, so once I've primed them, we roll into the resistance phase. Resistance phase is going to be where we're starting to do our strength training for the day. I always like to think metric-based lifts into accessory movement. So metric-based lifts are typically going to be multi-joint in nature and uh, allowing the body to work more as a system, right? If we're, if we're talking like a sticking with the floor press example, there's a lot of things going on there. The shoulders are pushing, the chest is pushing, the triceps are extending, the lats are engaged, the core is tight. Like some of those things, all of those things are working as a system and there's multiple joints involved. Um, so we like to do that first because you are the most fresh inside of your training program at the beginning of your workout. So always metric base first, multi-joint, moving into accessory style movements or single joint movements based off of what torp of you know what sort of aesthetic goals or um, you know whatever their target is that they're heading toward. I like to make sure that I put the complex, more CNS demanding movements first. So if you do have an advanced client who is doing Olympic lifting inside of their training design, if they're going to be doing anything like a snatch or a clean, you need to put that before any sort of training. Uh, and, and again, this is all basic, right? Because I can think of um, on the contrary to where in some cases it might be more beneficial to do the squat first. Maybe they're they're weaken their squat and they need to take their squat up to increase their clean performance. Maybe you might have them focus on the, the squat first because their clean technique is pretty good, but just know that the clean is going to be taken away from because they've done strength first. Um, so, and, the, and again, the dynamic movements need a lot of nervous system involvement. So we want to make sure that the nervous system is good to go. Um, so I like typically in most cases, I like to go complex, more CNS demanding movements first, and then we follow up with the more simple CNS demanding movements after that. Um, so again, resistance training metrics first, AKA multi-joint accessory movements come second, AKA single joint movements. Um, th those come after the metric based movements. Um, just simply because, uh, again, we're talking nervous system here as well. Um, complex movements inside of there come first. So Olympic lifting, more speed power stuff comes before the slower strength stuff um, comes. Okay. Now, from there, depending on whatever their goal is, we can do some sort of conditioning. Now, there's two ways you really need to approach this, right? Obviously, we want to have the more intense work to go first. So if you are going to have them do any sort of intense conditioning, but you also want them to do aerobic work inside of that training session, um, in most cases, it's going to make more sense to do the more intense work first and then the aerobic work second. However, if that client's goals do not... Um, if it doesn't make sense for them to do any sort of intense work, um, then I would just opt um, for you know some sort of aerobic work or low intensity um, conditioning works well here as well uh, works here as well too. Um, and then there's also this caveat that I want to throw at you coaches out there. It sounds good on paper to do the most science um, evidence based approach first. But I will tell you that in some cases, it does make sense to throw something fun and hard, right? It, it just feels good for your client. And, and I can think of this in the past for myself as well. It just feels good sometimes to work really, really hard and to get really sweaty and really sore. Now, we don't want to do that all the time because that is, in my opinion, less than optimal training. But it's fun, right? And when a client has fun, they're likely to stick to their program better. And if they stick to their program and they adhere on a deeper level, they're going to get better results. And ultimately, you win. So. We want to make sure we have this balance of giving them what they want and um, also delivering the results that they want and what they need, okay? So after conditioning, you've essentially got a program for the day thrown together. And then we just have to make sure that 
every single day based off of how many days they're training and the split that they're going to have, um, that it makes sense to continue with that uh, or, or that it makes sense across the entire week. Now, I built out a training program. I've periodized it. I know exactly where they are, where they're heading. Um, I have an ultimate direction and how I'm going to deliver them to the results. Now it's time to deliver and explain. Okay, so um, the first thing that I like to do is to, to deliver this training program and then give them my expectations of what that I would like them to do. In most cases, you know, if you use a, a program like True Coach, like we do, uh, we will deliver it through this platform and this app on their phone, essentially a coach in their pocket. And we'll essentially tell them in their notes every single day and across the training week, I want you to complete your training. I want you to ask any questions and deliver videos for anything that you would like to get feedback on. Um, so that I know that you're done with your training and you're sticking with it. And then I want you to ask questions. And for me, I like them to ask questions before the day of their training because it's not, uh, in most cases, I'm not going to answer their question like up to date while they're going through the training because um, of different coaching and stuff like that that we do also. But it helps for them to, to know like, okay, if I have a question about tomorrow's deadlifting workout, uh, I need to make sure that I get that question to them first the day before so that they have time to answer it back to, or they, so that they have time to answer me back. Um, so that's something to consider is making sure that they have uh, your expectations of them. Now, I also like to ask and have my team ask, what are the expectations the clients have of me, right? Because if they expect, and it, here's where we discover if they have unrealistic expectations of us. If they, as a, you know, as a coach listening to this, if your client thinks that you're going to respond as they go through their workout and you're going to sit there with your messenger up while they're going, um, that's, in some cases, that's going to be an unrealistic expectation because you have other people that you take care of and other things that you do. Um, so you want to make sure that they, if they have that expectation that you're able to kind of dispel that and let them know that um, that is not something that is going to be going down with uh, your program and give them an alternative, right? So we want to know what sort of expectations our clients have of us so that they don't, um, we don't find them, uh, them thinking that they're being underserved um, just because expectations won't set up from the weren't set up from the from the start. Now, in most cases, I like to deliver my first program to people and the expectations that I have and allow them to reply back to me through things like Loom or Zoom. Sometimes I'll I'll just do uh, um, a share through uh, my MacBook of walking through their program and my bigger vision for them. And as they get their first program, it's just an opportunity for them to open up and see like, okay. Here's my first week's of program. Here's what coach expects from me. Um, I expect this from him. Okay, that makes sense. He answered my question. And a lot of times, rather than delivering a program and then receiving 20 questions back, <clears throat> you dispel all those questions before they ever, um, before, uh, um, before they even have to ask them to you. So um, again, expectations for both you and the client deliver a in-person walkthrough of the program. Takes you five, six minutes tops. And then um, they have the exact expectations of the program and a complete understanding. Now, here's where you go it. Uh, here's where you take it a step further. I think that all good coaches should circle back around to um, their, their clients at least every four weeks. The way that I do it is at the fourth week of every program, I reach out and I send a uh, consult link to all of my clients. And then we will go through either a Zoom call or a phone call or anything like that. And um, we do what I call revise, course correct, continue, okay? So revise is I'll ask questions like, hey, for your last program, what did you like? What didn't you like? Okay, I like this, I like that. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go and build you for your next program. Has your goal changed? If so, what does it change to and why? 
right? Then I can change and course correct to them, and then we can continue going, right? What happens a lot of times is that coaches never give their clients an opportunity to tell them what they want, right? And when your client tells you what they want, not only from a client retention standpoint, um, but just from an understanding and a, and, a, and a person, ultimately people just want to be heard, right? So when your client is able to, to feel heard and to feel like you're paying attention to them and they're being listened to, it allows you to completely change and, and free things up for them, right? So um, again, that 30-day or every four-week console is super important for all my coaches out there to continue um, or to at least implement with their clients because it just, it just gives you an opportunity to just be a, a, a better coach and um, you know, tailor to them on a deeper level. Um, so you guys, I hope that that was, um, helpful to you. That's literally, uh, my exact process that we use, um, as a team here with, uh, walking, um, or working clients up into individual training programs. And it's, you know, all of this goes on before we ever deliver our first training program. And you can find that if you're a person listening to this and, you know, you've downloaded templates in the past, you know, this, this is where templates fall short. This is where coaches who just deliver workout programs to you fall a little short. Now, sir, there's some out there that do a really good job at delivering a good training program. But um, in most cases, it just comes up short because they're not addressing every single thing um, and making sure that that program is fit directly to you. It's also why we charge a premium for this, because um, we know that if the client does the inputs that we prescribe, they will achieve the output they desire. So uh, I hope you guys, I hope this was helpful and I hope that it really um, delivered some fresh ideas to my coaches out there. And if you don't use any of this, by all means, feel free to, to take notes and implement as you wish. Um, if you're a coach that needs any help with uh, understanding this on a deeper level and wants to ask some questions, you can always reach out to me on social media. And then uh, if you're a client looking, to the, you know, looking into this and it sounds like the type of approach you want for your programming, go ahead and uh, fill out the, in the show notes. We have an application for uh, a free strategy call. So just fill out the coaching application. And then uh, somebody in the team will reach out to you ASAP. So I uh, hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I hope this was helpful. And we'll speak to you on the next episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating and review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.